podcast. You're a slave to the dollar. You're non-essential. You're a guinea pig for Pfizer. What are you gonna do about it? Let's go! Hey guys, welcome to the Lunch Boys Podcast, the Afternoon Tea with Jake, Episode 3. With me is my friend, Henry. Hello, hello. Yep. I like having Henry on for afternoon teas. Y'all, Hen- we talk all the time, me and Henry, like probably too much. The amount of memes between him and I and Ryan is <laughs> somewhat egregious. It's amazing. And guys, what the frick is going on right now? Like they're trying to freaking cancel Joe Rogan. Well, because he's hilarious to watch. An enemy of the state. Yes, he's like on the run right now and Spotify is like apologizing for him and like people are trying to cop him because they know that it would be like the best thing in the world for their platform. Oh, Rumble. Like yeah. It's, offering. Yeah. A hundred mil over the course of four years. Not a bad deal. I forget. How much did he get for uh, Spotify? I was just thinking about that. I mean, it was it was a lot. It was a hefty bill. I imagined it's something comparable. I mean, I, I feel like it was like a hundred million. Yeah, I think it was a hundred million. Um, and I guess for those that don't know, uh, oh mistake, mistake. Um, I had my monitors on. I was getting a lot of feedback. Um, oh, I heard that too, and I was like, "What the world?" My bad. <laughs> so anyway, for those that don't know, Joe Rogan has had Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. Malone, um, for years, guys like Brett Weinstein all being labeled as alt-right now, which is fun. And basically, these two doctors have gone completely against the vaccine mandate narrative, uh, both of which, both of whom are actually vaccinated, which I think is interesting. Um, and they, they just kind of mentioned what the dangers are. And they have been literally trying to cancel Joe Rogan first for, like, misinformation, uh, when Sanjay dangerous Gupta, misinformation, yeah. When when Doctor Gupta from CNN was on, they tried to like smear that too. That was back when the whole dewormer Joe Rogan was kind of all over the place about ivermectin. Oh right, yeah. Then Joe was like relentlessly pointing out how inconsistent CNN is, how inconsistent the CDC has been. Um, obviously, he's friends with Alex Jones, which I think those episodes on Rogan have been the highest viewed like in rogan history so and they're they've up been, until these most recent i think possibly but the, yeah, sh- the sheer peter but, mccullough and and uh, robert malone's episodes kicked a lot of booty mm-hmm. and so that's a part of why there's this media crap storm but the, the sheer fact that joe's willing to have these people on all of whom have been banned like mccullough malone alex uh weinstein i think even at one point in time when they were trying to kick him out of the university so mm-hmm. This is purely anti-establishment movement, right? Um, Joe Rogan Which leaving. We should mention, by the way, we should mention. He also has a lot of people like there, there's this idea that he has all these, you know, right wing conspiracy theorists, extremists, whatever the, the you know, purple haired crazies want to call them. But like there's this idea that he has nothing but those people on his podcast. And that's just absolutely not the case. 
Like, absolutely not the case. He will have, like, the wokest of the woke on his show, and then the next episode will be Alex Jones, and then he'll, and then he'll have, like, like, some comedian who is just, like, totally all down with all of the COVID crap and all that kind of stuff, and then the next one will be, like, some scientist that's, like, super woke, and, like, he, he has a, a very, because I've been listening to Joe Rogan for years. Like I, I really dig his podcast and he's been having com- conversations with very different people for years. So and like he just had Sanjay Gupta on who was just like get vaccinated all day. And then he had who um, he was debating, trying to debate Joe whether or not natural immunity was better than getting vaccinated. Gupta was trying to tell him that he should do both. And now the latest data actually says that that's way more dangerous <laughs> once you already have oh. natural immunity. So that's fun. Yes, there's actually a study, just a side note, there's a study that um, proves that the vaccine actually inhibits your body's natural immune response. What the study did is it had people, I don't know if I've mentioned this on the show before, but basically it had people get vaccinated like right after a natural infection. And then it had people get vaccinated like six months after a natural infection. And what they found is that the antibody counts of the people who got vaccinated six months later versus the people, like the natural antibody counts, not from the vaccine. Um, or the... Or was it the total immune response? I'll see if I can find the study and put it in the show notes. But the bottom line is they had more antibodies six months getting vaccinated six months later than they than they you would have expected they would have would have had six months after receiving the vaccine. So the bottom line, if that made any sense, is that like the person who waited to get vaccinated developed more antibodies than the person who was vaccinated who should have had the same amount of antibodies in abstract. So very interesting. Assuming that the jab isn't poison, which Guess what? Um, so anyway, uh, all that's been going on, and I guess what's even more fun is that Joe is also associated with people like Tim Pool, whose podcast, Tim Pool in Real Life, is like becoming pretty relevant, especially in the alternative media space. And they're all just kind of pointing out the inconsistencies of mainstream and breaking that narrative. Mm-hmm. So you can definitely see that at the very least – least conspiratorial side of things joe is just taking a huge market share away from mainstream media which is why brian stelter's on cnn saying like how can this be that we have a designated newsroom that researches all day and he has off the cuff cusp conversations and is destroying our ratings like isn't that terrible and it's like no like that's (laughs) that's why we have the internet it's great (laughs) it's awesome you don't have a monopoly (laughs) on information anymore nice or narratives so right. and the reason why I think it became so obvious now that it's got nothing to do about misinformation, it's when they go for Joe Rogan is a racist. We went from Joe Rogan is propagating false information about COVID and it's gonna get people killed to he's a racist. And like no middle ground. I just love how like that is the playbook. And I don't know if you want to share that thing that um you told me and Ryan from barstool sports that was incredible and it kind of ties into what i guess ryan had sent us about those three brothers which i had never heard of them before do you want to give a synopsis because i even forget what their group's name is like uh yeah Midas so, touch or something yeah so there's so much to it and i i just like learned all these names recently <laughs> but basically there's this group of three brothers they have this um the, a, a pack, which is a political action committee, something like that. We're smart. Anyway, the bottom <laughs> line is these packs, unlike a lot of other like uh, political fundraising apparatuses, they can they can raise unlimited amounts of funds and, and brandish them as they see fit. 
And so the benefit of packs is that they actually have a lot more power than natural, uh, natural immunity. Just kidding. Then natural fundraising for political causes because they can raise unlimited amounts. That's why like every time there's a presidential election, nobody cares. But for some reason they try to make news over like how much money is given at certain events by who for who, because there's a lot of rules and regulations with this and packs don't have to follow most of those rules and regulations. So they created this pack and it's like, the pack I think is owned by Midas touch, which is the organization that the three brothers run, or at least they have a, a, a high stake in it. And they basically do hit jobs on people that they want to cancel. It's basically what they do. Purely and, people that disagree with them politically. Right. Exactly. So they try to silence political opponents and it's, it's kind of uh, I, uh, it's a means by which that they use this organization to, to, um, balance the power structures and the perception of the people. So like the reason why they did a hit job on Dave Portnoy is because Dave Portnoy is not a Republican. I don't think. And he's not a really a conservative guy, but he's just, he's a, he likes money. He'll say what's on his mind. He's, I think he's from New York. <laughs> I think like he just kind of talks like that. And He'll go, he'll go on Tucker show and talk about how stupid it is that like business insider gets to just say that he's like a misogynist and have nothing to back it up with and that that's okay. And they won't talk to him. They won't interview him. It's not real news. They just get to smear him. And so like a lot of these uh, smear campaigns get put into motion by this group. And so Dave Portnoy apparently was got, had a conversation with these guys and I'll play the one minute man uh, clip. Well, because in the really past, they I came think. after him also for being racist because they tried to cancel and, him well, a little while ago. I, misogynist, specifically, for oh, Dave Portnoy. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and so they came after him, and yeah, Midas touches the name of an organization, and then he basically, like, right now they're going after Rogan, make, creating the story, and they're the ones who created the video of, like, Rogan saying the N-word in various contexts. and uh, Quoting Chris <laughs> Tucker, Portnoy, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> they're they're all comedians criticizing one another's work, which I don't know. Like, anyway, continue. Your white privilege is showing, Henry. I'm no, I, I, I'm um, just I'm just saying. <laughs> like, it's so fascinating to listen to comedians talk about one another's work, and like when Louis C.K. was talking to, um, I forget his name. He passed away a couple years ago. But like, also, and they just go into like really edgy race based stuff. And the other one, you know, Louis C.K. is this, like, white, Irish, Jewish, Catholic guy. And uh, if you know, like, his parents. And then uh, (laughs) um, Patrice O'Neill, that's his name, you know, big black dude. And they just have, like, these intriguing conversations that would make the most, like, PC person's face just melt. Because they just drop every word in the book. And it's fascinating. No one's offended. And it's just intriguing. And now to see that, oh, we're just going to destroy the biggest free voice in the world, maybe, uh, from having amazing conversations. Anyway. Uh, yeah. And what's interesting too, is like a lot of those people, they don't care about the, uh, what is it? Legion of stinks, Legion of skanks podcast, oh, for example. Yeah. Or they just chant the, which, <laughs> Oh, like <laughs> Jewish white guys, like everybody, black guys, like they're all just, you know, like that's all they do for the whole show. And that's a part of the comedy for them is that it's so offensive is mm-hmm. that they, they always are trying to push that line of like, 
Like, let's make fun of the thing you're not allowed to make fun of. But the difference between them and something like Dave Portnoy or Joe Rogan is that Legion of Skanks, other than existing and being something that, like, if you're into comedy, you know about it, they have virtually no influence over anything. And no, they don't have near the following or listeners that Joe Rogan has. So Joe Rogan has somebody like Robert Malone. You don't have people like Sanjay Gupta stand up and say, I want to debate the studies with you and debate the science and let's like actually reach a conclusion and let's do it unedited. Maybe even on Joe Rogan's podcast, same reason the presidents wouldn't freaking do it is because which would have been incredible. like no one's actually inter- which would have been absolutely amazing. Trump would have destroyed Joe Biden and then we would have had a bad president, but less bad than the president we have now. And, so- <laughs> and Trump would have probably incriminated himself just like for millions of people to year <laughs> he'd yeah. be like yeah yeah i flew an epstein's plane wait no i didn't no i didn't i never did i've never seen the you inside know, of the plane it was know, marvelous it I, had gold on the inside young girls lots of girls <laughs> you know what i have to say it was a little strange seeing all these young girls but you know he's got fine taste fine taste in wine <laughs> fine taste in wine and you know i got lots of great massages not from those young girls though not from those young girls just like <laughs> <laughs> But like, you know, they don't have any influence. So like Joe Rogan's podcast has these people on and no one wants to actually debate on this show. No one wants to actually have a conversation. They want a smear campaign and something that, you know, if you're classically educated, which if you've gone to public school, you're not. But classically educated people learn about arguments and fallacies and they usually take a logic class where you literally just sit around and dissect if then statements for hours um, and things like that. And you learn logical fallacies blah 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 and an ad hominem attack is an attack on someone's character and what it does is it makes it so that you no longer have to and logical fallacies in some way shape or form are all designed to make it so that the person arguing does not have to engage with the argument in some way shape or form any logical fallacy is to take make it so that you don't have to directly engage with the argument with a better argument. So when you have an ad hominem attack and we're talking about racism, which has nothing to do with COVID misinformation, maybe, maybe Joe Rogan is a racist and he hates black people. And maybe all the saunas and jujitsu bags, he puts black people inside of them and kicks them. Like, I don't know. Like maybe he's the most racist guy on earth, but like, (laughs) but like, if that's the case, that has nothing to do with the fact that hey if man, he has the hey, most published cardiologist it, in hey the man, world. It, it helps with my stamina, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, so at some point you have to say, like, we, we have to have these conversations because if we don't have these conversations, let's say, let's literally say that everything Robert Malone said, false. Let's say everything that Dr. Peter McCullough said, false. Let's say everything Alex Berenson said, false. Let's say Sanjay Gupta is two steps below God. Like, everything he said, truth. If he died on the cross, people would be atoned. Like, that's how mu- how right Sanjay Gupta was, right? Let's just say that was the world, okay? I'm listening. Then, like... <laughs> Like, wouldn't, (laughs) yeah, you have my attention, but like, (laughs) but like the, to me, the most powerful thing that you can do if you're in that position and you're that right is to say, yeah, I want everyone to hear me debate Dr. Peter McCullough because I'm so much smarter and my argument is so much better and the facts are so much more on my side that I absolutely, you're saving the community, right? That should be like the number one thing. We're going to save so many people, dispel these little conspiracy theories. 
A hundred percent. Like people's lives are on the line. There's all these dumb Confederate flag waving Trump supporters that don't want to take the vaccine. And I'm about to save their lives and give them the information that they need to live the best possible life. And the Im- the information will be so compelling that they will have no choice but to wrestle with their own cognitive dissonance or get the vaccine. Like that's how right they are. How come they don't do that? I mean, I think that's a great question. And it's, it, I think some people have used the argument that they don't want to bring more attention to the disinformation slash misinformation. So if they were to debate somebody like Rogan, Rogan's audience might grow. That's what they say. But in saying that, they don't recognize that maybe it's because he's got a better opinion. That's what I think. And I think that's what a lot of other people think. Because when Sanjay Gupta was on Rogan's show, anybody who listened to it, like, Homebro was literally just saying, get vaccinated. Okay, but Rogan is not some brilliant scientist. When people say, oh, people get their advice from Rogan, that's also, that, that that's called a straw man. It's not that people are getting their advice from Rogan. They're listening to a conversation that a normal person like them that you can relate to, who asks questions like you that you can relate to, they're listening to a normal person ask the inventor of mRNA technology or the most published cardiologist in the world or a former New York Times, if I remember correctly, New York Times uh, uh, journalist who is not some right winger, but just sees through all the BS like he's just asking questions. And then we get the answers and then we get to measure them against the, what we're living through. Not and to like, mention, like jo- Joe Rogan still reads a lot. He he reads a lot of the books that his guests have written or if there's a particular topic, like as his hobby, he sits up and he reads about it. So when he's able to reference some studies that, for example, Gupta was not aware about, that's kind of a problem, right? And I think the, right. the great idea about their format is that Jamie can literally just fact check it on the spot. So when Brian Stelter says, oh, they don't have like a, like a fact checking team, oh, they kind of do. And he does it for absolutely every aspect of the conversation. So it's pretty hard to come and just lie to Joe's face. Because if something like just feels wrong, he'll be like, hey, Jamie, could you look that up, man? Uh, and like they'll figure it out on the spot. So that's why my favorite is when Alex says some absolute bonker stuff, like they're cloning cattle or that there are human-pig hybrids. He's like, well, that doesn't sound right. Hey, Jamie. And then <laughs> Joe's like, you know, says some expletives, and then he goes, wow. There you go. 2017 National Geographic human pig hybrids. What in the world? Yeah, that that episode with Alex Jones was so interesting because he would say some wild ish to people who don't pay attention. (laughs) Oh, I mean, and what's funny is that, like, I was really surprised on some of the things that he talked about that, like, that they would even question. So he's often will bring up stuff like the Gulf of Tonkin being a false flag event that got America into the Vietnam War. And I think that mm-hmm. was declassified in like 2003 or 2005, some, somewhere around there. And mm-hmm. people are like, he's just a crazy conspiracy theorist. And then it's like, oh, no, Google it. And then you even can find like historical websites. And they're like, yeah, we can even listen to the president talk about how we should probably do this. And they got away with it for decades. And like 55,000 ish Americans died for no reason. It's pretty cool, right? And then we don't get mad, and that's the problem. And that's why, like, even right now in the news that they're still talking about, like, January 6th committees and Donald Trump earning money from January 6th or something like that. And you're like, 
Who cares? Number one, Trump's not president anymore. Number two, they're talking about the deadliest attack on the Capitol in years. And the only person who died was a protester by a Capitol police officer. But don't you dare say her name because she was white and she is some Confederate flag waving Trump supporting biatch. And we don't support that. Which there was even some new footage that came out that disclosure didn't see all of it. But I think that what I read about this footage is that she may have actually been there to try to de-escalate some stuff. And then, Ashley Babbitt gone. I mean, don't say her name. Oh, oops. Don't you dare say her name. Shrashley Rabbit. (laughs) What is it? Bashley Abbott? Bashley. (laughs) Yeah, nice. Ashley Babbitt. Bashley Bashley Abbott. (laughs) Downton Abbey. (laughs) Uh, um, Oh, so the Midas guys. uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you want me to play that clip? Yeah. I had it pulled up. Which not bear in mind that I think their dad was is a big lawyer, I believe, in the um, uh-huh. in Hollywood. Oh, yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. There's a couple videos I've watched on these guys. Yeah. It's interesting. All right, here we go. One minute man. There might be expletives. Sorry, mom. Under fire as the internet tried to cancel them. They came up with examples of misogyny, transphobia, COVID misinformation, and then finally racism with this video of Joe Rogan using the N-word out of context about a billion times. That's when Dave Portnoy perked up and said, wait a minute, this is the same exact playbook they've been using against me for the last decade. The accounts that were attacking Joe Rogan look very similar to the accounts that were attacking Barstool Sports. The one thing those two accounts had in common were these three brothers called the Midas Touch. They're a Democratic super PAC who tries to cancel anybody that doesn't align with them politically. Dave challenged these three brothers to a debate on YouTube last night, three on one at midnight. When the three brothers were trying to bring up Dave's past for using the N-word on camera, Dave dropped the bomb that he has in his possession, text messages of one of the Midas brothers using the N-word in casual conversation. You can watch his soul evaporate from his body when Dave drops the proof that he knows his fiance's name and has the text message. Does anyone hear a fiance named Lexi? I think you'd absolutely lie about that. Did... Did can classic Dave Portnoy. You cannot <laughs> stop him. You can only hope to continue. Rogan is <laughs> Which like the guy's face literally just looks like he got punched in the soul and just Ugh. But it's like he's at a Nazi concentration camp and if he goes <gasps> then they'll shoot him. So he's yep. just going <gasps> Also I think it's funny that he has the fiance's <laughs> texts. I I was so curious to know how did that happen? Um, oh well, Portnoy's a pretty rich guy. I'm pretty sure he could hire somebody to be like, hack his phone. I need his text. Oh, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, that's possible. So, and like, yo, I worked at this like super woke corporate America global offices for no reason company. And like freaking we were listening to music in the office and they included the N word. And one of my coworkers said the N word and all my white coworkers said chill nah. when I got mad about it because I didn't like hearing it. Reminds me of that time that I didn't like being a token for the pleasure of an insecure white pastor. <laughs> and, they said, and I said, and I said, I didn't want to be his dancing black man. And the executive pastor said, that's inappropriate. I'm like, well, then I guess as I'm learning, I figured this out this year that everything from racism to COVID, we just need to handle it the way that our white overlords tell us to. <laughs> I just I love the balls of that. I'm, I say that facetiously. I, <laughs> yo, we don't like you calling us out on our BS, okay? <laughs> so sit down and submit. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I 
was like, thanks, Pastor. I appreciate it. Thanks Which, like, for the, looking out for your 22-year-old staff member who's being used as a prop to the, get the black people who left to follow the black guy who left. The, the <laughs> to layers come back. to that. The layers to that of like the, the kind of corporate aspect of it and then just like add on to it a Christian institution, quote unquote, church. That's <laughs> that's magical. The greatest enemy to progress in the life of a black man is the woke person who thinks he's on our side. Which is interesting. Again, conspiracy hat. When you look at like critical race theory, which gets thrown around a lot, but like Ibram X. Kendi and a lot of the quote unquote academic writers um, within that, how is it that academic? Right. Man, like their material does not read well. Like it comes it's across like overtly racist. Yeah, it's uh, really racist. So how is it that in this conversation about like injustice, we don't have just like the voices of average people that actually have to deal with this crap all the time? It's always somebody talking down to everybody. Well, what do you mean by that? Like the voices of average people? Like who the are people, the, the people, people who are actually experiencing this every single day? Like I've had some really thought provoking conversations with people that experienced racism, like growing up mm -hmm. in school and uh, some that were actually arrested for being identified as fitting criteria and then had to spend tens of thousands of dollars, which they happened to have that was able to get them out of the situation, um, which if they hadn't had it, they would have been incarcerated for I don't know how long for something that they did clearly didn't do. Like, those are the stories that I feel like would actually mend this racial divide. Because some people will just, like, straight up be like, racism doesn't exist. Then other people are like, everything is racist. But there's no actually, like, sharing of people's actual experiences, which is what this whole conversation is actually supposed to remedy. Does that make sense? Right. I, I would agree with that. I think that one of the questions, though, or issues that we run into with that is that when you have the people who say racism doesn't exist, they kind of live with their head under a rock because racism exists everywhere in all cultures, from all colors to all colors. For and all then, of time. Yeah, for all of time. So, like, just because you think you're not racist, what, like, doesn't mean that racism itself does not exist. And then for the people who say everything's racist, we well, have to define what's racist, right? Because if someone has, like, for example... I am attracted to brunette white women. That's why I married one. I have literally, if you even like went down the list of every girl I ever dated, it is all brunette white girls, but one. That'd be a really interesting, um, so what's that, what's does that, that dating, make me racist? What's that dating app? The uh, swipe left, swipe right. What's that called? Oh, Tinder. That'd be a really great Tinder profile. I like it a lot. Dude. Uh, Tinder is so funny. Uh, I had a Tinder for like 15 minutes when I was single and uh, the here's the all right, single people. We're just going to take a break from the politics for a second. If you need to know how to hook up with the best Tinder, Tinder date, I'm going to help you out. Uh, you turn on the <laughs> wait, app. Let me get my notepad out. Yeah, yeah, get your notepad out. So you turn on the app. You set it down on your desk. You do not look at the app. You just swipe until you run out of swipes. You just swipe right. You can just run out of swiping. swipes? Yeah, yeah. You got like a limited amount of swipes, but you just... Wow. Until it throttles you. Then you turn the app off. Don't pick up the app. Then the next day, same thing. Swipe right. Everything. Swipe right on everything. If it could be a picture of somebody's dog, swipe right. It could be a clamshell. Swipe right. I feel like this is a trap. No, 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 no. 
You, then, you show up to the date. Chris Hansen's there. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're not showing up to dates yet. Don't, <laughs> don't, let's not get ahead. Let's not get ahead of it because then, then you might show up and Ursula's there, and then she reaches out one of her tentacles to shake your hand. Yikes. What I'm saying is, <laughs> uh, Google the thousand pound sisters. But um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so once you've done that on the third day, now we know that God does amazing things on the third day. Amen. So oh. on the third day, you check your app and you're going to see everybody that you matched with. And then you have an option to message them. Right. Or you might even have some messages and then you just scroll through and you find who's your type. And then you just only respond to them. Wow. <laughs> what a life hack. This and also, that's why I only had Twitter for 15 minutes because I'm like, this is ungodly. I should not do this. Like, <laughs> this is so carnal. Also, it just, oh. it just feels like I would feel so bad for the person on the other end that like this was the one swipe that they got like all week. And I'm <laughs> uh, like, oh, man. <laughs> Cause, cause Ursula did swipe right on you yeah. and she don't get a message. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> or he, I want to be accepting. Yeah. And, Ursula's definitely you know. a he. Yeah. Right? <laughs> you know um, what I'm saying? hundred percent. So also just what on the, this other idea just popped in my head that I feel like we kind of said it without saying it, but I feel like it's worth saying it. Um, you can go all the way back to like people like Al Sharpton, right? who is a mm-hmm. big name in the civil rights movement up until today, crazy racist still BT dubs. pretty racist yeah. also like super an, racist he's an fbi informant and i'm pretty sure he even admitted it in an interview at one point so all that to say this huge conversation that is be- taking place like nationally and internationally is all part of setting a narrative <laughs> And it seems like for the last several decades, all it's done is make the divide even bigger. Like the Civil Rights Act uh, was a big game changer. But how is it that sometimes it feels as though racial tensions now in a lot of cities are as bad as they were back then, if not worse in some situations? And it seems like people are pointed at like this group is right now oppressing you. And then another group will be like, see, these people are coming after your culture and your morals. And uh, it's like this um, feels a lot like what a lot of uh, I want to say the social the Soviets did this. Um, This is how you're able to because you had several different nations, right? Not a, a lot of them got along well. But if you're able to just like break up everything that made them unique and tell them that they're all bad. And now they all have to walk in lockstep. That was like a means to an end. So now if you're able to tell an entire nation, if you say a single thing that goes against this narrative, you're the bad one. And all of a sudden you will see a majority of people just start to regurgitate this echo chamber just so they don't get in trouble. Just so they can go back to even this altered state of normal. Yep. Um, And like it worked pretty well, I feel like. And now people like Joe Rogan, who has conversations with people that don't get huge book deals and now they have a platform to actually express this idea. And then people are kind of like waking up like, Oh yeah. Like I actually don't have a problem with this culture and these people are actually not trying to infringe on my rights. Um, but some of them, a small group even are manipulated. Well, for example, like Portland, Oregon, when like you had all your like Antifa people come and just burn everything to the ground. <laughs> I highly doubt most of the people in Portland were like, yeah, this is awesome. 
I love this. But in fact, they probably just didn't say anything because then the next night they'll come towards your business. Right. So that's pretty cool. It's a great time to be alive. Well, that's kind of what I was getting at was that I think a huge issue with the whole racism debate in the world right now is that we have not defined the enemy. Because right now in America, for example, we keep saying the enemy is white people. Right? Like, you, your ancestors did all of this to us and you're benefiting from this system that is... And I just think that's so disingenuous and so... Uh, such a not whole view of life because they, it's like we are all benefiting in some way, shape or form from thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years of history. So if white people are benefiting from some type of history that from, from history that happened 150 years ago, right. Then like, like there are black people, Asian people, English people, literally like the King and queen of England. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. who are benefiting from hundreds, thousands, thousands upon thousands of years of history. And they're in a place that maybe they don't deserve because of all of that. So I, that doesn't mean that like we now get to hold these people accountable for the sins of their, of their, of their forefathers, nor does it mean that all of a sudden we need to tear down what they have or what their family built after all those years you know, like if someone has a lot of money and they own a lot of land and they had that land 150 years ago because of slaves, like that sucks. That's bad. That's a bad part of history. At the same token, like they own it. There's no slaves on the property anymore. Like times have changed. That's a positive thing. So like we, we can't define the enemy. And I think that for me, I see the state as the biggest enemy because I see I feel like racial tensions go down and it seems like the state apparatus and the corporate media push them back up. And then everyone becomes really racist, even benevolently racist, which is, in my opinion, the worst kind of racist. Because if someone looks at me and says, you're a stupid nigger, don't ever go walk into my store. I at least know what they think of me. But if someone looks at me and says like, oh, oh, like, I think you should just have better access to education. And I just like really feel bad about like the situation that you're in. It's like, oh, so what you're saying is that I'm incapable on my own volition and you think I'm stupid and that I'm never going to be able to make anything of myself without your help. But because you put it in nice words rather than just calling me a stupid N word now, like you feel good about yourself. But you think I'm just as dumb as the other person. Only difference is you think it's for my own good. So, like, I think I would much rather know you don't want me around than you think that you're for me, but you're actually patronizing me like you would a child. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so, I like, two thoughts uh, directly to this. I think you're 100% right. Not to mention when you force people to love each other, that's not love. And usually it starts to boil under the surface and there's going to be some sort of violent reaction afterwards. And you can see that Mm. with every occupied nation in history. So uh, I'll just use my own family history as an example. The Estonians were occupied by the Soviets, which were predominantly Russians. And they were basically like forced to adopt Russian culture, which is not theirs. And eventually you start to just see the everyday tension in the streets rise as opposed to just like live your life. You know, yes, you are not by territory, but like you can sing your stupid songs. You can wear your stupid, like traditional clothes and eat your junk um, and we'll like leave you alone. But when you start to force like Russian history, you eradicate Estonian history. I think Estonian history is several thousand years old. And like the Estonian history book was literally like 100 pages or less when there are libraries about all the different crusades and different kings and all this kind of junk. But erasing that and forcing this other thing makes tensions way worse. So like you said, if there's that overtly racist person and you're just like, cool, I know where you stand. Um, I'll prove you wrong. But also like, I'm not going to like have to interact with you. Like, fine. Like have your little store that goes under. You know what I'm saying? 
Um, and even for the ones you just super side note, even for the ones you do have to interact with, like I won't get into details about it because my wife would be upset with me. But there are people very close in my family who literally uh, were not happy about Erica and I being a couple because I'm black. And they had experience with someone who was, you know, not of a, uh, a very affluent socioeconomic class who affirmed stereotypes that they had built in their own mind uh, about black people stole from the family and all kinds of stuff. Um, and just by being a nice human, like I was able to turn that around to now, like they would rather hang out with me than several members of the family. Even, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Right. So it's just like, like it was easier to actually create a positive interaction with someone who started with no, <laughs> for right. me, at least as a black man, it was easier to do that than to try and like, tear down this benevolent racism that people find because it's like I have to try and teach them that what you're saying is I'm stupid. I have to try and teach them that when you're saying that my group gets affected by COVID more, you're saying that we're dirty, we can't bathe ourselves, and we don't have access to healthcare. Like, I I have to deconstruct this thing and then build up this new idea that allows me to function as an individual and less so as a black man. And I, I find that much more difficult with the benevolent racist than the angry racist. Right. Um, Sorry, your second point. No, I mean, like, that's a great thing to kind of show that actually happening in real life. Um, The other thing is kind of a a 30,000-foot view of this whole situation, and you even find it in the mainstream establishment's language about these things. So, like, critical race theory is actually a ripoff of critical theory, which is a way of saying that every institution is intrinsically a class warfare apparatus right so whereas like crt tends to say that like every like the oppressive um white nationalist is throughout the entire justice system government system corporate system and everything they literally just stole it from (laughs) that's bad language to describe that but whatever um critical theory which literally those exact same things except class warfare taking a socialist slash borderline commie approach to the system which was also used to basically like weaken the capitalist system and that is how like one team that sees that they're not winning can now flip the table so now when you start to look back at who's funding all these groups like soros doesn't seem to like the independent nature of americans so looks as though he's funding like the huge migrant caravans he did that in europe same thing because these people have their own national identities we need to disrupt that in order to do the bad word, right? Great reset. This is how we do it. Take away people's identity and now force them into this other situation. Um, mm-hmm. It destabilizes everything. And there's that old phrase from our Illuminati buddies that out of chaos comes order. Um, so like, it's a tactic. This is a war uh, on humanity. And like the, mm-hmm. the race thing in America, it's something that's super sensitive to the history in America. So it's a great way to upset People, get them to fight, make them get jabbed, you know, turn on each other and not see that, oh, cool, uh, now there's a chip in you. And yeah, we own everything and you own nothing and you'll be happy, you know, so. Because we told you you're happy. And if you say you're not happy, we'll shoot you. Yep. Um, That's how it is in North Korea right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And like, if you even look at the the Chinese communist, they basically also, if you even step out, even remotely, like you're done. Um, there was a guy, I think, that 
um, he didn't follow whatever their COVID protocols were. And his little pass just turns red and dudes show up, they arrest you and like, you're done. Um, and if you look at Mao's revolution, that's also just going completely against the traditional Chinese culture, which they've got, I forget, 12 different dynasties. And now to force all of them to get along, which they hadn't done that ever. Uh, and now you have a totalitarian dictatorship and like, oh, wow, the same tactic is used on almost every continent. Yes. Woo! Yes. <laughs> um, well, I had a conversation. I, it was kind of a, a mouthful. Oh, I hope ahead. that made sense. Did that make sense? Oh, yeah. Cool. Oh, yeah. I sometimes worry that I'm coming out of like way left field, but no, no, no. I think I mean, I, I we're we're somewhat on the same world, you know, and so like I, I kind of see that, too, with how it seems like in America you're allowed to celebrate or you're less you're deemed as worth celebrating if you celebrate a culture that's not American and Americans being a young country compared comparatively in the history of the world and things like that has not had a lot of time to solidify its own culture. And because it's been a melting pot for years and things like that, mm -hmm. like the only cultural identity that American ha America has is this idea of the American dream, which is inherently connected to capitalism. And so I think that, or at least like the somewhat free market system that America is. And so I think that that's an issue to me because mm -hmm. it allows exactly what you're talking about to get disrupted more easily and so then like kind of going into my next point, I just had a conversation with a friend of mine who is black um, about how we hate Black History Month. I mean, I loathe this month. I guess you're because... lucky it's the shortest month then, right? Oh, my gosh. Which jokes, right? <laughs> Yo, that's some trifling crap. I never thought of that. Right. That is ridiculous. Those bastards. <laughs> it's hilarious. Oh my god, that's so that's oh that's they couldn't I make it, it more now. They couldn't make it January. Like, come on. I know. 31 days, mug, come on. <laughs> right after Christmas, everybody's happy and fat. Like, why couldn't that I mean, be Black History Month? No, you know what? It should have been July, because at least then it's warm. Y'all took us from Africa, put us in Boston. <laughs> Unbelievable. At least give us a warm month to celebrate Black History Month and wear the tribal garb, you Turks. Oh, like man. it's snowing outside. Oh, which, like, do you do you remember when like Nancy Pelosi and Schumer all had those like African scarves? Yes, and Is they kneeled down. Down and which given that nancy oh, pelosi has like a hundred million dollars or something preposterous and she's pandering to basically the left and the wokies by doing something like that whereas doesn't really hold any of their values that should be so insulting oh my gosh i found it insulting but we don't we have a short memory for stuff like that and matter of fact for those of you who uh, are on instagram there's this wonderful account called influencers in the wild now if you are a mom or uh, a child who listens to this podcast, maybe don't follow influencers in the wild because although it is basically making fun of how crazy it is that we sit in front of our phones and become court gestures, um, oftentimes when we do this in our culture today, we do this in a thong bikini. So there's a lot of butts mm. on influencers in the wild. Um, or that might be the draw. Like Henry, as you can tell. Hey. Um, but this is like my favorite thing. I like thing having I've seen an open mind. I mean, yeah, uh, <laughs> this is my favorite thing I think I've seen on the internet in a while. And it's this girl who just went on a run and she's talking about how great her run oh, is. Oh, yes. And <laughs> then, uh, here you go. Here you go. I just finished 
Oh. Like why? Why? <laughs> Man, and like especially when you watch the video, like he barks it. Like like he's trying to yeah, make her flinch. <laughs> Get on my way. <laughs> and she and she is just I think she's English or Australian, and she just in the most white girl fashion, hand on chest, chin down, <laughs> eyes just oh, <laughs> <like>. <laughs> And what's funny is there's an element in her face. Now, maybe I'm just reading into it, but there's an element in her face where she feels bad that she got in that black man's way. <laughs> yeah, I could see it for sure. You know what I mean? Like, yep. she's kind of like, oh, my God, I must have offended him. It's Black History Month. I, sh- I should have I should have been watching where I was going. Yeah. I shouldn't have been walking. I should not have been recording in the middle How of the street when this black man was trying to get. Yeah. I, you know what? I should go see if I could buy him a sandwich, call it reparations. He could put it on my reparations tab. <laughs> like <laughs> my reparations credits. Yeah. That's going to be the currency of the future. <laughs> Phenomenal. Phenomenal. But like, that's like case in point. That's why I hate black history month uh, for, for, you know, a million different branching reasons of why which, we can talk about. Like, but and like, here's I the, hate it. This is the, I hate it. This is the thing. Like, you know, humans do, all kinds of stuff to commemorate things. We've got like President's Day, and we've got Mother's Day, and we've got all this yeah. kind of stuff. But oh wait, that was that was for President's Day, not that- for Mother's Day. Um, <laughs> is that Mother's Day? Mother's Day actually irks the crap out of me too. Super well, side like, note: It's what's too bad because is it's that- International Women's Day round two. Yeah. Like Father's Day is Father's Day. Do you have kids? Are you their dad? Father's Day. Ah. International Mother's Day is. Do you wish you could have kids and you struggle to have kids? Is this a hard day for you? Are you a woman that might have kids at some point? Every girl in the church gets a cup. Every girl in the yeah. church gets Dude, a cup. Yeah. <laughs> and all of these things, first of all, it irks me that like the government now tells us that this is what this is. This isn't like this organic thing that we all like we can't we just wake up february 1st and like man it's black history month yes dude so excited let me call jake hey man happy black history month you know what i'm saying <laughs> nobody does that uh and it becomes and this- henry hears drums and such <laughs> in the background he's like what's happening <laughs> little <laughs> elephant <laughs> Just celebrating my heritage before before my black ha- my right. black ancestors went into the tribal community and took me. All right, because hey. that's who sold me to the white man. By the way, was my black cousin Earl from the tribe down the street. <laughs> He's the one who was like, "Oh, I can make some money if I sell you to some Europeans." Could you imagine? By the way, I'm like, "Hey, Jake, I wrote this for you. Ready?" And I just start like jamming out. Uh. Um. <laughs> <laughs> what if you what if you showed up to my house and like you just became like a caricature of like you 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 acted like Justin Trudeau on Halloween? I was just like, gonna say I just show up, up? I show up in blackface. <laughs> and I, I just wanted to know what it was like to be you for a day. So I just walked into stores, didn't buy nothing, and I just wanted to see the looks I would get. <laughs> or, or or what if it was like <laughs> and um you know how there's like no shave November and stuff like that? Some Legion of Skanks territory. Yeah. yeah. So instead of like no shave november i just blackface for the entire month of february <laughs> um no but, white february yeah but, <laughs> and so and like so and again eh, i i see the value of like keeping traditions alive um especially if there's a bunch of people there's a bunch of stuff that you learn during black history month that are like nice cool things to know about music or um like different politicians and stuff like that great I don't yeah, I yeah. genuinely don't see a problem with that. What I do see a problem with is when all of a sudden like Google changes the logo, Nike changes up their ads. Um 
all of the different like marketing firms just come full swing on Hulu trying to like make money off of this. That's also just seems so offensive. It doesn't seem like it comes from a good place at all. At, at work, we had to do this whole process where we celebrated black owned brands and advertised them for this for my client. Mm-hmm. And here's something that like super irks me. So like I super side note, I love black history, period. Like my dad, who's by the way, is a white boomer, which is why I get really mad when people have crap to say about white boomers. Um, like my dad, like went way out of his way to make sure that his black son knew black history and that I knew about how awesome it was to be black. And like, I actually am super, I love being black. And my wife asked me why I'm like, I don't know. I just love it. Like I love my skin tone. I love people who look like me and like the cultural differences that like I see between like how I interact with, um, like people, like my culture versus like people who are white. Like I love it. Like I love being black. It's like one of my favorite things about myself actually. So like, I say all of this from a place of like, I really love like black history. The issue I have with black history month is that when you relegate something to like a month, it like, it almost, in my opinion, neuters a lot of those positive contributions because now it's like, rather than this is a brilliant person who did this, you almost elevate it beyond what it's worth because it's black. So let me give an example. Like in my company, we were celebrating like black owned brands and stuff like that. It's like, but what if it sucks? And, like, I'll see posts all the time of people, like, advertising these restaurants, go support this black-owned business. And, like, I know these restaurants, and they suck. I don't want, like, don't let the market work. That's a bad restaurant. Don't, not, not because it's black or white, but don't, like, go to this restaurant, pat yourself on the back, and then they're still going to go out of business because the food's not good. It's... But then, like, I do get really proud when, in my opinion, the best pizza in Charlotte right now is owned by black people. And, like... I love it not because black people own it, but because it's the best pizza in Charlotte. And then as a black man, I can take pride in the fact that like, wow, that's pretty cool that like we did that. You know what I mean? And like, that's cool. But like, don't go there just to patronize them. Like the pizza's freaking good. Like honor the craft that they and the work that they've put in to make this dope pizza. I think it's really it's something that I don't fully understand. Um, because, and I think like stats show that like white people and Asians, when you like list your identity characteristics, race is like the last thing on the list, if it even comes up at all. Right. And I guess in America, it makes more sense because of the history of America. Cause I don't hear people necessarily talking about like, Oh, like my ancestors came from like this part of Africa. And I know this tribe and I know like the, the leaders from there and what they've been up to and all this kind of stuff. It's specifically American stuff. You do, however, see it with nationality. So when you've got Italians and they've got their Italian marketplace, Italian restaurants, they cling together. And in that sense, the, the tradition of it is what's cool. So yeah, like when they promote like stuff that sucks, I don't understand. I do love the like build up your community part. Like you've been disenfranchised in the past. So now you're going to show what's up right with your culture, how great it is, unique it is and all this kind of stuff. Um, Black History Month doesn't feel like that, which is what's weird. I would, totally agree. You would think you that this is a great opportunity to do that. And nah, it's not It's so patronizing to me. It feels like it feels like what I I feel like I spend a significant portion of Black History Month where uh, two things happen. White people patting themselves on the back because they posted something, said something, did something to celebrate Black History Month, right? Or on the flip side, like 
I was trying to explain this to Erica is like sometimes in like small group times at churches and stuff like that, you would have like very accomplished, excruciatingly intelligent, awesome to be around black people who like, because it's church. And for some reason, like churches in general, just like to take faith and make it like a self-help session where we cry about things that may or may not be going on in our life using vague terms because we don't want to actually be vulnerable. And so like, then we just complain about racism and I'm like, what? Like, look, I'm sure you've experienced racism, so I don't want I, no one's taking that from you whatsoever. But like, this is such an incredible opportunity for like as brilliant and successful and as good of a parent and father, mother, whatever, you know what I mean? Like as amazing of a person and a human that you are. What an opportunity for you to talk about like how you triumphed over those things and how, yes, they hurt you and they still hurt you. But like, look at what you did and how you weaponized that to create a great home for your family and how to get, land that job and how you use these terrible experiences to have great uh, interviewing skills or job skills. You know what I'm saying? Like, how can we always just go, oh, like, it's so hard to live in America in like January 6th and Trump. And blah. I'm like, jump off a bridge, man. Like, that's to me, that is so like Figure I hate speech. that, <laughs> you know, and this is, this is becoming a therapy session for me, but that stuff like really irks me. And I feel like you get like one of those two things where it's like really otherwise successful people who may experience ton of racism. Maybe they've experienced very little racism. I don't know. The Bible says the heart's deceitful above all things who can know it, which means only God can. And I don't get to judge it. The bottom line is like, 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 if you are in a wonderful place, like, why are you still whining about this? This is an opportunity for you to see yourself as a victor. And how come we don't do that? It feels like it becomes like, here's, here's succinctly, I figured out like kind of the point I'm trying to make is sometimes black history month feels like black victimhood month where we get to like, talk about how much victims we are and how cool it is that we're still here after being victimized so much, which that's, that feels like it takes away from the triumph. Like you're saying, that all those achievements don't mean anything, I guess, you know? Right. And I'm like, but black people freaking rule, man. Like we've been through, yes, as a culture, like, gosh, I think about mama, you know who I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. Like she literally went through like busing when they started to forcefully integrate the schools and stuff like that. And like, that is a powerful, beautiful, incredible single mom because she lost her husband. Like what an incredible woman. And she doesn't see herself as a victim. As a matter of fact, she keeps trying to teach what, what she's learned through those experiences to other kids of all races, by the way. And then like, like she's just such an incredible human being. Yeah, and like, to me, like it's 24 seven empowerment. I feel like what you get from her. Uh, yeah. And she experienced racism way worse than I did. I know mm -hmm. for a fact she did both when she stepped into those schools that were being forcefully integrated. She lived in a Southern state, like, not easy in the in the in the she was i think she was born in the 50s so yeah she lived in a southern state born in the 50s lived through the 60s like not good you know what i'm saying like which like <laughs> and like another thought just occurred to me um that i think kind of it like inadvertently happens because you know culture is all about egos there's every everybody's got one so when you're not building people up and like saying like, oh, that's awesome what you did. You accomplished a lot of great things. Like, let's promote all that. And when you go to the victimhood route, a lot of people are going to view that as though you discredit their victimhood. So like your like spousal abuse, they're like, oh, like you guys talk about this, but like you don't know what I've been through. It's like, well, we're not talking about you right now. It's like, 
Yeah, but you could use the marketing completely different and actually make it so that everyone's rooting for you now, as opposed to they feel like you're taking something away from them. Um, right. That's the one thing I think is fascinating about like Holocaust Memorial. Usually it's like a memorial to that specific generation. And that's that. The end. That's the end of the story. This happened. Let's not make sure that this happens again. Like, yep, that about sums it up. <laughs> it's not like, oh, look how hard it is. Boo-hoo. Um, there, there's a little no, bit of that. the Jews don't happen in New York. They rebounded. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I mean, <laughs> it was on the tip of my tongue. I mean, look what they've accomplished. <laughs> That's a joke. <laughs> Tongue-in-cheek. Um, it's true, but it's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... You know, which I think that's that's so funny. Nobody would accuse them of like, oh, well, well, check your privilege. You've got that Holocaust privilege. okay? which was more recent history, by the way. And like millions and millions and millions of Jews died. Yeah. Roughly five to six. Depending on who you ask. And so uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm looking at you. I hate us so much. (laughs) Um, But. But again, it's just, it's like, why is this one different? I guess is what I'm trying By to say. By the way, also homosexuals and gypsies and others. Also true. Which I think is like such an important part of the Holocaust story that nobody, everyone's like, man, all those Jews died. I'm like, do you, did you forget that Hitler literally rounded up the gays and did the same thing? Like they were there too. Like, oh, I mean, he handicapped the, uh, sorry, he rounded up the handicapped. Uh, they did handicapped. Exper- yep. They did uh, experiments on people. They injected them with stuff that they didn't know what was in it. Sound familiar? Um, oh. Project um, Paperclip. Some of those guys still around advising. Uh, yeah. I wonder if Fauci was friends with those guys. Uh, probably. <laughs> probably. <laughs> those generations might overlap. What is Back uh, in Fau- my generation. <laughs> <laughs> what is it like? I want to say 30,000 in paper, Project Paperclip. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Nazi scientists came over. Um and like they, whew, you read through the kind of experiments that they did, yowzers. Um, it's almost like people just randomly started having heart attacks, myocarditis, and and thrombosis. It was it was wild. What what? Oh wait, that didn't happen then. That happened now. Um, so anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> did you see? All right, uh, I think we could probably keep going, partly because I'm just enjoying hanging out with you. Yeah. But did you see that Babylon B? My favorite Babylon B. Babylon B. By the way, if you follow them on Instagram has been super hot fire the past couple of days. Like, just so good. It's kind of obnoxious. And let me see here. Yes, uh, they have one of Biden in a hospital, and he's, like, looking like you're looking far into the distance, and he's looking into a hospital, like, bedroom. And it, the caption was, Biden frantically looking for 8,000 troops to deploy to Ukraine that don't have myocarditis. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. I was like, zing, <laughs> which if, if you look in the, what is it? The DMED, which tracks adverse events in the military. Woof. Yeah, it's really bad, um, which I hope yeah, that's something we can talk about on an, another episode, because that's something we'd have to kind of dig into a little bit. Hopefully that becomes big news in the coming weeks, which I'm excited about. Ugh. All right, man, you're trying well, to wrap up. Was, yeah, this is super fun. That was a good time because we were. This is like a perfect hour long podcast. Otherwise, 
we'll just keep going because I just I just love you. I just love your face, Henry. Love you too, man. And also, before I get canceled, like I have Jewish blood, so I'm allowed to make those jokes. Oh, I don't, and I'm allowed to make those <laughs> jokes. So uh, that's our welcome, show. <laughs> <laughs> this ain't anti-Semitism. It's Black History Month. <laughs> Oh my god, that's awesome. <laughs> oh, you know what's really sad though is because I'm adopted and because I don't agree with the narrative, it's amazing how fast both white people, it's it's my favorite when they do it. White people and black people will take my black card from me. <laughs> uh we can't let you carry this anymore. It's ours. No, now. literally it's like that. It's like <laughs> that. <sighs> anyway, well- well, guys, thank you so much for listening. This has been the Afternoon Tea with Jake and my special guest, Henry. Uh, follow us at the Lunch Boys Pod. And uh, also follow Henry at the Henry Maneuver on Instagram. And oh. see if you can find him on Twitter. And um, at JakeP1364 on Twitter for me. <laughs> <laughs> Also, give us your money. Patreon link is in the description. Appreciate you guys. And uh, we'll be back soon with more details on how they're trying to kill us all. Yeah, cyber attacks are coming, so that's fun. That's real fun. Also, this Russia-Ukraine thing, false flag, it's happening. Yeah, we'll see how that ends. Yeah. Mushroom Pretty sure that, yeah, literally. Like, do you know how dumb that is? And it's all these right-wing neocons that are like, we have to go protect democracies all over. And I'm like, are you Which, freaking joking? Every time they did that, that ended well, right? Every time. And now we have the only country that's got nukes as big as ours and maybe as many as ours that – and bigger. Oh, also Russia has one that they can shoot into space and then it'll use – I think it uses like the rotation of the Earth's gravity or something like that. And it goes around the world and then it creates mushroom clouds on the other side of the world in not a long time. So, and, and yeah, we should totally pick a uh, fight with them. This sounds like the, a great idea. Their weaponry is actually super, super impressive. Um, they've got oh, like tor- torpedoes. We just have more. They have like torpedoes that they can launch and it creates an air bubble around it. So it can go like a thousand miles per hour underwater, which is you would think insane. But because they create like um, the air around it, it's whew. and like their triple A defense. The what is it? Um what takes down missiles i forget what it's called uh it's like better oh, than sort anybody. of like the israeli dome of the sort of called? so like if, if we've got um missiles that we shoot at them they've got or even like jet fighters they've got these rockets uh that go just preposterous speeds so we would be in big trouble it wouldn't be this like easy easy fight that people make it out to be it, it would be it a wouldn't disaster. be an easy easy nuclear winter either like they the way that they can deliver nuclear warheads is way more advanced than what we've got because they've got the one that they can shoot into space. And so like, well, I think technically it would be so bad. Like inter- intercontinental missiles. I think all do that. If I remember, no, no, no. There's a something, there's a specific type of intercontinental ballistic uh, warhead that can carry nuclear, a nuclear warhead that they've got. That's something that they tested recently. It's like the uh, one thing that they've got. That's like the one like nuclear it's stuff like this that, that makes me think that like aliens run the world. So at least they'll be like, <laughs> we won't actually do this. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> this planet's got water. Don't blow it up. <laughs> Don't ruin it. <laughs> We're not trying to move again. <laughs> exactly. The lizard people are like, ah, oh, maybe this was a bad idea. <laughs>
<laughs> we gotta start recording our faces. Oh yeah, because <laughs> that was an amazing moment. What just oh, happened? That was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening to the show. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Hopefully, we're still gonna be here. We won't buy some food. That, well, I mean, we'll be here. You might not. <laughs> <laughs> Lord Anthony Fauci here. If you're hearing the sound of my voice, you're more than likely already inoculated with my poison shot, or you're sitting in an internment camp shielding the rest of the population from your sick ideas of personal liberty. And I would just like to inform you what you saw happening to your loved ones as they convulsed on the kitchen floor this is purely a breakthrough event, and there's nothing to be afraid of. We are rapidly approaching the fourth industrial revolution. You will own nothing and be happy. <laughs> well, what he's trying to say is that the Great Reset is purely a conspiracy theory, and we don't eat children. Wink. Wink. <laughs> <laughs>